This episode of the Holly Fuel Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. To save 10% off your first month of therapy, visit the link in the show notes or betterhelp.com slash hollyfueled. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash H-O-L-L-E-Y fueled. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am your host, Holly Samuel, and I am also a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and I am super excited to chat with one of my my clients, my friends, and my colleagues, um, Ashley Child, today about about grief. Um, (laughs) This may not be a topic many people are excited about chatting about because it's not the most fun topic to discuss if this is something that you are experiencing, but it is super, super important that we do talk about it. And I was very excited to have Ashley on the show to talk about her experience with grief and also her journey to starting to help other people with this too over on her community page, which is called Beautiful Storm Healing. I will link to it in the show notes, but you can find her on Instagram. Um, And she is hoping to kind of foster a community for people who are experiencing grief and loss to find some support, um, both locally and online as well. So I'll put more info to that linked in the show notes. But without further ado, let's get into the episode today. But first, A bit of a disclaimer, obviously, this is not meant to replace individualized medical advice. This does not constitute, you know, a relationship with a therapist or a healthcare worker or anything like that. And our hope with this episode was just to shed some light on this topic and hopefully give you some resources to go use, um, whether you're trying to help a friend or a loved one, or you're going through this yourself, um, But without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, Ashley, and welcome to the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. One, you are one of my like long-term friends. um, And also, I'm excited to talk with you about this topic of grief today and how it can be just like how it affects the person and how, you know, we can go about navigating this if this is something that is affecting you. Um, so thanks for coming on the show. Tell everyone, you know, who you are, where you're located and what you do. Yes. Thank you for having me. Um, I think it's been, I don't even know how many years, at least 20, maybe since we met. Yeah. Um, I was, I was a child. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so my name's Ashley Child, uh, and I am a pharmacist. I work for a community hospital that's part of a larger health system. Um, and I am also very passionate about grief and grief awareness. Uh, I've always been interested in it, um, but definitely uh, four years ago when I lost my sister, uh, it became sort of my life uh, for a while, and now um, here I am talking about it and, and hopefully spreading some awareness. Yeah. Tell us about, you know, kind of your experience with, with grief and also, cause you, like you said, you were interested in it before and then became more interested in it, you know, as you were going through that experience and just what brought you to want to start beautiful storm healing, which is one of the things that we'll talk about today. Yes. Uh, you know, 
I think that it's interesting because there wasn't a beautiful storm healing or anything like that, that I was specifically looking at uh, when I first lost Kim. Um, I actually was thinking about how I somehow ended up finding you, re reconnecting with you um, for nutrition support. And I thought at the time that I wanted to lose weight. Um, and that was just something that in my mind I was thinking about during grief. I'm like, okay, why, why am I gaining weight? Uh, a lot of people when they're experiencing grief lose weight, but here I am gaining weight. And Holly is starting up this business and I think I could be her client. She can help me lose weight. And four years later, uh, completely different story. Um, weight loss is not really a part of any of our conversations anymore, uh, which I'm very grateful for. But I, you know, I kind of learned from watching you and seeing the impact that you've had on other people um, related to disordered eating um, and just body image um, and just was able to really sort of see the impact that you have. And, and as I went through my grieving process, I started thinking about maybe I could do some of this for other people who are grieving, like help support them and help them kind of, um, find the tools that, that can help them, um, during a time that is, that feels kind of hopeless at times. Um, so I guess it kind of probably goes into the, the original sort of thought of beautiful storm healing and where it came from, but, um, I really want to be able to connect people and, uh, help them figure out how to integrate grief into their everyday life. So, that's, that's where I'm at. But I, I would say that a lot of it does have to do, I'm not just saying it because I'm on your podcast, but uh, a lot of it does have to do with the fact that I was able to sort of see the progression of your business and all of the people that you've helped myself included. Um, cause it's definitely a long journey. It's not just a quick, quick fix. Wow. Yeah. You brought up so many good points there. I think one that there's no good way to like go through a grieving process. Like there's no right way to really do it from like a body composition perspective. And also that body composition and weight is a lot of, it's like kind of like an outcome of other things that can be happening. And it's something that if you do have a tendency to have more disordered eating behaviors, it can be like a mechanism of control when you feel like the rest of things are not within your control. Um, it's just kind of like an easy target. But yeah, this is the part where with my clients, I'm like, am I more than you bargained for? <laughs> um, because, you know, here we are years later talking about the opposite, basically, of what you originally, you know, um, came to work with me about and you're running your first half marathon in a couple months <laughs> after yeah. telling me I think that you would you would never be one of my running clients you know you did not want to do that so tell us about your decision to sign up for your first half marathon in Disney this year yeah I mean you could you could probably recap it better than I can but I definitely remember saying that I um would never be a running client uh, and still, sometimes when you refer to me as a runner or anything like that, I have a hard time accepting it. Um, but I'm, I I'm know that's it. why I keep doing it. <laughs> um, so I actually went for a run yesterday, and it was quite nice. Um, I just, yeah, I, I wanted to start taking better care of myself uh, and doing things for me, which that's a huge part of uh, what I'm hoping to get across with Beautiful Storm Healing is just, you know. Self-care, I know it's it's a buzz topic, but it is 
uh, imperative to, to healing. So I think that I just sort of started realizing that when I go for runs, I feel like I'm, I'm really doing something for myself. Um, and then in addition to that, I was like, well, I need a goal. I need something to reach for. Um, you know, we talk about goal setting in our meetings together early on and, um, why not set a goal for a half marathon in the happiest place on earth? Um, well, depending on who you are, but, uh, my sister was a avid Disney fan season pass holder. Um, her ashes may or may not be somewhere on the property. I don't know. Um, and so I just feel like I, I want to go and I want to do this, uh, cause she, she can't do it. You know, she's not here. So, um, at least not physically. So, um, that was a huge part of my motivation. Um, I love listening to music and when I run, I get to listen to whatever I want to listen to, um, which is very healing for me. Um, I get to feel whatever I want to feel. Uh, so all the things that I think are really important to, um, sort of caring for yourself and caring for yourself specifically when grieving, uh, come along for me with running. It might be different for other people, but that's, that's what I have found works for me. Um, and it really is not about, it's amazing the freedom to have it be not about time or distance or calories burned or heart rate zone. It is purely for me to be with myself and my feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be clear, I did not force Ashley to become a runner. Um, wanted to make sure that was clear, but you just stated that so beautifully. Like, I think, you know, when I first, when we first started working together, I was working with tons of people who were not into running and that was totally fine. Um, that's who I worked with before, you know, we started Hollyfield Nutrition and started working with solely runners. But um, I think what you thought running was when we first started working together is totally different than what it means to you now. And not even just running, just other forms of movement too. Um, you know, it is definitely a way to take care of yourself, but not in a controlling, you know, manipulative type of way to make your body smaller. Um, and it's more, it's more fun when you focus on those other things, because otherwise it's just really hard and it kind of hurts. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, there are still some growing pains, physical pains with trying to run, uh, or starting to run in your late thirties, but, um, you've also helped me with that. So, and it's, it's totally worth it for me. So, and I mean, I didn't start out with running, you know, it started with yoga and okay. Yoga, um, really helped me with, uh, grief and it was sort of my stepping stone into fitness and self-care. Um, because again, it was just a time that I could be in my own mind by myself. I mean, around other people, but by myself, um, and in a good way. Uh, and it sort of built my confidence and my ability to trust my body to do a little bit more and more. And quite honestly, when I first lost Kim, I probably would be in no place to go running like physically. Um, my body really, uh, probably, shouldn't, uh, have had any extra stress on it. So, um, for me at that time, yoga was a good, a good stepping stone, um, for healing. Yeah, I think that's, that's spot on. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Like there's different kind of phases and stages of going through that process and what effect it has on your body, both 
you know, psychologically, but also physically. Um, so let's kind of talk about that. Can you, can you define like grief, like kind of how you define it and how you've understood it to be defined as a healthcare professional? Yes. Uh, I mean, it's, it's vast. It's huge. Uh, lots of different definitions and theories behind grief, um, you know, amongst the mental health community. Um, and I think at its core for me, uh, I really, the way I understand it is that I look at grief as being the loss of an attachment. So, you know, it's essentially, it's an emotional, a physical, um, full body experience in response to, to the loss of some sort of significant attachment. Um, and so that can be uh, typically we're speaking about the loss of a loved one, um, to by, by way of dying. Um, but it can also be related to divorce, separation, loss of jobs. Um, if you've had to set a boundary with someone that's close to you and then they're no longer a part of your life. Um, I mean, generally speaking, my focus is on, um, when someone has passed away, but I just want to be clear that most of what people experience, it's going to be the same, um, you know, when it, when it comes to grief for any of these situations, uh, and the more significant your attachment is to that loss, the more significant or prolonged your grief period may be. Um, so it's just something that I think, you know, it's not just grief is not just being sad. And I think that that's, um, something that is misunderstood by a lot of people in our society. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that people will start to get a, a wider view of the fact that it is, uh, a, like I said, a full body experience um, after a loss. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Because that, that I think is a really big misconception. And I mean, even like with well intentions, if you just don't understand um, that it is a lot more than just being sad or quote unquote depressed, even though depression can be a, a piece of it for sure. Um, so even to kind of dive into that further, like even objectively as you've learned about it, but also a little bit more reflectively as you can reflect back on some things you have experienced in different stages of this, like what does happen to the body during this process? So a lot of things happen. And generally speaking, I think the things that I experienced are probably very similar to what other people experience. Um, but certainly it's not going to be a, a, you know, it doesn't apply to everyone, but from a general standpoint, and also, like I said, my experience, um, I think, you know, right early on, uh, one of the first things that gets out of, out of alignment would be sleep. Um, you know, generally people experience significant sleep disturbances um, and that can go on for quite a long time, sometimes years for some people. Um, and a lot of that can also be related to uh, trauma surrounding the loss. Um, oftentimes loss of someone, there, there is trauma that coincides with that. So you can have anxiety that develops, uh, panic disorder, physical symptoms, you know, like heart racing, sweating, feeling dizzy, um, all of these things. And then in addition to that, um, you know, definitely lack of appetite, um, uh, or there are some, sometimes maybe the only thing you want to eat might be like sugar or, you know, you're trying to like, you're not eating consistently. So you're craving 
um, sweets or, you know, you're, you're just eating whatever is being put in front of you most likely. And that's if you even have an appetite. Um, so that goes on for a while and, um, can really lead to a lot of disordered eating habits, um, lack of energy. Uh, and it just, it's a, it's sort of a vicious cycle. Um, I remember when I was early on the, the only thing I could really equate it to or thing that I had experienced that was even remotely similar in terms of like a physical experience was probably like postpartum depression, like just feeling like you, you just can't do anything to take care of yourself. Um, and yeah, you're sort of in a, in a haze. Um, and I think that it's important to recognize that it's not just like, like we were saying, not just somebody being sad. I mean, it is a full body um, experience there. I think being able to make the connection between I lost this person, I'm going through grief, and this is going to be a process. And also like with some of those physical symptoms can be super helpful. Because a lot of the times like, and I don't know if you, you know, you had this experience working with me, but when I do work with people, I usually want to know like, okay, well, why do we feel this way? Like, why are these symptoms happening? Um, because a lot of the times people aren't just like overeating at 3pm just because they feel like it. Like there's a reason for that. Maybe it's because they, they didn't eat enough leading up to that moment and their body's trying to make up for it. Well, then why didn't they eat enough leading up to that moment? Were they busy at work? You know, were they trying to restrict? Are they going through, you know, grief and loss? Like what all of the above? Yeah. Um, you know, like what's going on. And I think understanding that they can be absolutely related was huge for you. And you don't realize it, or at least I didn't, I mean, it's not like I was a grief expert. I mean, I still am not, you know, no one's a complete expert in it, but, uh, I definitely was not a grief expert when I first experienced this type of loss. Um, so I really had no idea what was happening. I was just going through the motions. Um, and by the time, you know, I got connected with you, I mean, my appetite was kind of a mess. I mean, I just, I wasn't hungry at the times that, you know, would be best for me to be hungry. Um, and, you know, you kind of lose, I think one thing that also happens in grief is that a, a lot of things lose sort of joy, like things lose their joy, you know? And so if maybe you were always a foodie, someone that enjoyed eating, I mean, you might not really enjoy it as much. Um, and that can go for anything. I mean, maybe you really liked running and now the last thing you want to do is go for a run because the last thing you want to do is be alone in your head. Um, so kind of going back to early sort of first six months to a year of the grieving process, it, it looks very different than two years, three years, five years, 10 years. Um, and, you know, just educating yourself and creating a supportive community around you and recognizing that, um, you know, your, your body's response and your emotional response to loss uh, can come up at any time. Um, and even little things like, you know, the holidays or important anniversaries, uh, the anniversary of the person's passing, you might find that at that time you revert back to some of those habits, um, you know, like not wanting to exercise, not wanting to feel your body, um, not wanting to connect with people. Um, it's not 
it's not linear. So I think it's really important to know that um, it's okay if you don't know all these things when you're first experiencing loss, you know, you're, you're just trying to survive. Um, and then maybe one step at a time, start adding in ways that you can take care of yourself. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, how I got to where I'm at. Yeah, I think the the process is important. You like you kind of have to go through the process to understand it and be able to look back on it. So I mean, even looking back on your own situation and in talking with others, what were some things that you found were the most helpful, especially in kind of like those early like six months, you know, to a year um, right after and what things would have been helpful that maybe you didn't have, um, you know, the wherewithal to have access to because there was no beautiful storm healing, like you said, that existed. Um, so I, I, I thought a lot about this and honestly, I was very fortunate. I had amazing, uh, an amazing community, especially of coworkers who made sure, cause I also, you know, I'm a mom of four. Um, and so after Kim died, the last thing I wanted to do was think about meal planning. I mean, I can't even, I can go back to those moments and just be like, I probably would not have eaten and maybe wouldn't have, I, pro I probably couldn't have fed my children without that support. Like I would have needed someone to feed my children. And that is why we have community and family, right? Um, but not having to think about anything related to food was incredibly helpful. And something that I always look back on too, that's really interesting is the first time I went to the grocery store after Kim died, it was probably three weeks after she passed away, um, which with four kids in a house, three weeks is a long time to go without going to the grocery store. So I am so grateful for the people that dropped off endless amounts of food. Um, you know, I going to the grocery store was emotional it's like this normal thing suddenly that you go and do you go out into the real world you go to the grocery store and you're crying at the checkout because you can't believe that you're grocery shopping after losing a person um and you know I think it's important to be kind to yourself and know that that's okay um but yeah to back to your original question you know, it can be overwhelming, of course, when there's tons of food being dropped off and you don't want to waste any of it. So I would say, if anything, sort of when you're bringing food to someone, thinking about like uh, the sizing of what you're giving them, the, you know, is it going to fit in a refrigerator that might already be full, filled with foods? Is it something that can be frozen? Um, and going even further than that, it's like now with my experience, I would probably bring, you know, um, smoothies, protein shakes, things that are super easy uh, to digest or that you just have to grab and eat. Like even if they're, you know, perfect bars or kind bars, whatever it is, something that like has absolutely zero prep um, is super important. Like, and I know a lot of people were, were tremendously helpful dropping off like cut up fruit for my kids. And um, so just keeping in mind that like any ask anything like even brushing your teeth can sometimes hurt like and be too much so um keeping it as simple as possible and the problem is you just get into the cycle because you're not feeding yourself you have no energy you're not sleeping um so I think that that's really a way that um 
you can help friends and family if they're going through loss and also help yourself just by knowing like, you know, maybe you're going to, I mean, I think for quite a while, well, COVID hit, but also grocery shopping online, it was easier for me to just put the stuff in a cart and, and buy it that way, you know, um, and be kind to yourself. Like if you order food out, like, because you just can't get yourself to prep it, it's okay. Um, but yeah, food trains, all of those things really helpful. Um, and especially when the food is, you know, something that's going to be easy to, to cook or reheat. Thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast. Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world who is going through a hard time, therapy can give you tools to approach your life in a different way. And that's why I am so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable, more accessible, and this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really, really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out just a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in a little as a few days. Um, when I used BetterHelp, it was a few hours. <laughs> um, so it is truly a very quick and easy process compared to um, what I've had clients experience and what I've experienced myself in traditionally trying to find a therapist through the healthcare system. It is really easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There is a link in my description, which is betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash hollyfueled, which is H-O-L-L-E-Y-F-U-E-L-E-D. And that link is in the description. Clicking that link helps supports this podcast, and it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you out. Because finding a therapist can be a little bit like dating, if you don't really fit with the first therapist they match you to, which is super common in healthcare and therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. So if you are struggling, book the appointment, get started, consider online therapy with BetterHelp, visit the link in the description. And again, if this is something that you think is going to help you or you're nervous about it, taking the plunge is the most important first step. And then BetterHelp is going to let you sort out the rest. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I think with like, even your specific example, like, you know, if, if you are the one losing your sister, like it's hitting you really hard, but you also live in a house with several other people and have a family and it might be affecting everyone slightly differently. So I know a lot of the times cooking and food, you know, you, people can feel like a short order chef anyway, even in a perfectly happy household where nothing, you know, bad has happened. Um, so when it kind of comes to adding some of these layers, it can become a little bit harder. So yeah, I think having like variety in some of the foods that people are dropping off is helpful. But I also remember, you know, what tends to be really helpful with lack of appetite for any reason is, yeah, like the, the convenience and ease of getting it down, like it can't be a, this big, overwhelming meal. Um, a lot of the times, 
liquids are good, liquid calories are good. And if you have any preconceived, you know, judgments about drinking liquid calories, and is that bad for me, like we need to remove (laughs) those um, in order to get them down. And just getting in anything you can, especially like early on in the day, um, can definitely be helpful at first when it seems really impossible. Yeah, breakfast. I mean, I feel like a lot of people will bring dinners, which is great. Um, but I, I did find that I was not eating much until later in the day, you know, cause it wasn't like people were really forcing me to eat, eat breakfast. Um, and not that you should feel like you have to force anyone to eat anything, but I would say there was quite a while where I was not eating nearly enough. Um, so, and yet somehow gaining weight, which is also probably all related to stress hormones and, you know, just whole bunch of things, but, um, you know, it's not, you're not just not eating because you're sad. You you literally have no appetite. For a long time, sometimes too. And like it feeds into itself. If you kind of haven't addressed it early on, it can just make it worse because then you get more tired and more depleted. Um, even some of the, the stress response that we kind of touched on a little bit that can happen, you know, when we're extra stressed out, And it can, that like stress is such a blanket statement. Like, you know, when you're grieving stress seems like the biggest understatement of the world. It's like, I'm not just stressed, like my entire persona and life is changing. Um, But, you know, it does elicit the stress response and the fight or flight mode response in the body over and over and over and over again, until in a lot of people that eventually gets fatigued. Um, And this can cause, you know, us to use up a lot of nutrients like magnesium, vitamin D, B vitamins, um, you know, our cortisol increases, which can elicit body fat retention. It's a survival mechanism. It can, you know, it can slow down digestion because our body's trying to absorb as much nutrients as it can out of the foods that we are eating because it knows it's getting depleted. Um, It can also cause physical GI symptoms where you get more discomfort eating certain things because your gut is where, you know, your serotonin is produced. It's where a lot of your immune system is. So, you know, if things aren't going smoothly down there, um, you know, absolutely can be affected. So, um, yeah, just trying your best to know that even if you get something into you, even if it doesn't, you know, appear to be the most nutrient dense, or, um, it's something that you never would have visualized yourself eating, or it's different than what you're used to. It does count and it does matter. (laughs) Um, and it's kind of like a drop in the bucket of moving yourself forward. Yeah. I think that was probably like one of the most important lessons that I sort of learned. And now I know, you know, when I am in periods of stress or, you know, not feeling hungry, um, I've seen like the direct impact of the fact that if I give myself the fuel I need, even if it's a small amount, um, it'll ultimately help me in the long run, uh, overall. So, and I think I was, I was talking to you earlier about this. Um, you know, it just can't really be understated the fact that, you know, loss, bereavement, um, you know, when you look at, sort of the the physical impact on the body. I mean, bereavement's been associated with an increased risk of all-cause mortality and even up to 10 years after a person has experienced loss. So I think a lot of that comes from, you know, inadequate nutrition, uh, movement, just, you know, even, you know, they talk about broken heart syndrome, all of these things. Um, And I just really feel like it just cannot be 
overstated that, you know, we need to, we need to treat this like it's, or, you know, give ourselves grace and treat ourselves like, like this is a physical thing, not just an emotional thing. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just get over it. No. <laughs> like it's not just going to, it's not just going to go away. Um, what like, you know, to kind of treat it like, you know, it is a long-term thing that we are going to have to address who like on your kind of inter interdisciplinary medical team, um, extra support within your community, like what people factors do you feel were the most helpful and maybe even something that a lot of people wouldn't even think of? I think a lot of people think of like a therapist would be helpful, um, but they don't think about, you know, some of the extra players that maybe could be really helpful. Like what, what are your thoughts on, on that from a healthcare perspective? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, I guess, different for everyone, but I found for me reading, um, a little bit when I had the energy to read, um, you know, finding books that, um, that different people recommend who have experienced significant loss, um, can help because anything that validates what you're feeling, um, whatever it may be, like I said, it could be music, it could be a song, it could be a person, um, you know, just having that validation is huge. Um, and I think that also just sort of thinking about what you, um, well, I guess for me, therapy, yes, it's helpful. I, I didn't have therapy right away. I mean, I went, I used the employee assistance program through my work just to help me get through like the initial phase of going back to work. Um, and again, it all was really around validation. Like, okay, I don't feel like I can even do my job right now. So what am I doing at work? Um, but you know, talking with somebody about that and realizing, okay, it's okay. Um, and being, I think for me, being as open and honest as possible with the people in my life that I was interacting with on a daily basis was incredibly important. Um, and just sort of putting myself out there and saying, look, I'm in the parking garage, I'm in my car, I'm here on time, but I'm probably not coming in for a little bit. <laughs> um, cause I'm sobbing in my car. So, you know, being able to find your safe people that you can share those things with is huge. Uh, it does not need to be formal. Um, and when you're ready speaking with other people who have experienced significant loss, uh, you know, it's tremendously helpful. Um, just really finding people that you can connect with, uh, that, you know, understand what you're going through. Uh, no loss is the same as another, but a lot of the experiences are similar. Um, and, you know, I did there. Yeah. Again, there was no beautiful storm healing, but there were other people uh, on social media that I did find, um, you know, late at night when I couldn't sleep, which obviously being on your phone is not the best thing you can do for that. But for me at that time, um, it helped because just seeing a quote or reading something or, or seeing someone else's experience um, was very validating and, and helped me normalize the grief that I was experiencing um, because grief is extremely isolating. So that's a common uh, finding in, in anyone who's interviewed. Um, and when you're assessing someone in their grieving process, you can be surrounded by a million people, but feel completely alone. So anything that you can do to help break that isolation is key. Um, I, yeah, I can't stress that enough, just trying to, to find ways to break that isolation um, and feeling like you can safely uh, grieve or mourn um, when you need to. Um, 
but yeah, I guess therapy, yoga, nutrition, self-care, um, and, and yeah, finding validation, um, and educating myself on, on what grief really is. And also just being like, okay, you know what? I'm having a bad day. I know I have these people that I can send a text to, or that I can call. Um, and just having that like in your, in your pocket. So, you know, like, so you can sort of climb out of the, the hole that you might feel like you're in. Yeah. I think that's super important. Like having some sort of sense of community. Cause you're right. It is super isolating. Um, and it just makes, you know, you just kind of want to isolate yourself more. I think a lot of the times when you're going through those bad days or those experiences. Um, so yeah, just not being alone is definitely super helpful. And I think too, just kind of to reflect back a little bit, what we talked about at the beginning, it is a whole body experience. So whenever you do talk to a healthcare provider about any random symptoms you might be experiencing later down the road, that maybe you you're not even making the connection that it could have anything to do with this huge life change you've experienced. Um, I do think bringing up big life changes to healthcare providers is important. And I do think it's important that healthcare providers also like take those seriously. Like don't blame everything on the life change, like still validate the person's symptoms are very real. Like you can absolutely have very real physical symptoms that are linked to some of the other <laughs> physiological processes. Um, but, you know, making sure people aren't being like dismissive of it. Do you, I mean, do you have anything to say like on, on kind of that front too? Yes. Uh, I, as you know, um, you know, I went through a, a long process of trying to figure out what was going on with my body after losing Kim. Um, probably five to six months after she passed away, started having some really bizarre physical symptoms. Um, and I remember it was like, it was one or the other. It was either the provider I would see would think that, okay, it's purely physical, or they would say, okay, no, it's purely um, because you've, you're experiencing, like you had mentioned that you've had a loss. And they said, oh yeah, well then it's grief. Like this is grief. And so I felt like completely misunderstood for a very long period of time because I'm like, no, I'm physically feeling these things. Like what is going on? I need someone to help me feel better. Um, and yes, I'm also emotionally experiencing these things. Um, and I'm doing everything I can to, to process. And I used to talk about like being a good griever, which is absolutely insane. Um, cause there's no wrong way to do it. Uh, but just feeling like no one really understood. And I remember I finally saw a provider who actually put it all into one piece and, you know, sort of showed how she, or, you know, validated that, like, yes, this is all connected. Um, and it's okay. Like, you have some physical stuff going on that most likely some of it might've already been there, but maybe it's heightened because of grief and loss. Um, and just having someone explain it to you in a way where you don't feel like they're telling you that it's all in your head um, is really helpful uh, because, you know, you can bring, I mean, grief can bring on true physical um, reactions in your body. And it's important that you you treat them appropriately. Um, so I would say to anyone, you know, if you feel like you're not being heard when you're speaking with a provider to, to get another opinion um, and also to reach out to other people who maybe have gone through similar experiences. Um, and it can take years to kind of get it all figured out. But the, yeah, the impact on your body is huge. So it's a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to like, like we're pointing out the the symptoms are very real and physical and they do need to be addressed. And also what's the root cause of those? Yeah, maybe some of it's underlying and would have been there anyway. Also, maybe some of it's heightened by this process and we need to treat that too. <laughs> but they're, you know, they're, they're both valid. Um, so yeah, I think, I think if you're feeling like your provider's telling you it's all in your head and not giving you any solutions, um, it's definitely warranted to go seek another opinion or to have that conversation. Um, it's hard to have that conversation too, when you're going because you feel bad, um, yes. you know, and you're in a vulnerable place. Yeah. And if you're, de- if you're depleted of, you know, basic nutrition, I mean, that alone has impact regardless of whether you're grieving or you're, you know, you don't have the money to feed yourself, whatever the reason may be, you know, the landslide that it then creates is going to be the same. Um, so I just think, you know, of course it's important to know the why, but we, we also want to make sure that you're, you're getting what you need. Um, sleep too. I mean, that's the same thing. Like, okay, great. You're having trouble sleeping because you lost a person. Thank you for telling me that. Like, what are we going to do about it? How do I get sleep? Um, so just, those are all things that I think, you know, advocating for yourself when you have the energy to advocate for yourself is, is important. Yeah. Especially with something like that. It's like, oh, I can't just get over my grief and tie it up in a bow and be like, oh, fix the root cause. Like, no, this is a process. It takes years. We can't skip steps. Like, (laughs) um, so while that's happening in the background, what are we going to do about the sleep? Like the main problem that, you know, whatever it is you're bringing up. Yep. Yeah. Um, in terms of like resources. So like, where can people find you and what you're doing? And also, are there any other resources you want to bring up to that you found helpful? So I would say that, um, for one, I, you know, I appreciate, uh, you giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about beautiful storm healing and, um, you know, what it is that I'm working towards. Um, and I, you know, you can find me on Instagram under beautiful storm healing. Um, and, I expect it to be growing and expanding, um, to hopefully, uh, have in-person events, um, and support, uh, you know, if you have local grief groups near you, uh, and that's something that you think you'd be interested in, I highly recommend looking into it. Um, most, uh, communities do have something, although I will say the community that I live in currently does not have a lot, which is part of why I want to be able to put this together for people. Um, but there are even online communities uh, that you can join, um, virtual sort of uh, Zoom support groups. If group uh, support is not, you know, what's best for you or doesn't feel good for you, um, sometimes just finding you can find an individual grief coach, um, grief counselor. Um, there's a lot of, like I said, online resources. Um, I think there. Um, I know we haven't talked about it today, really, but for kids, there are actually many states have camps that are subsidized or even free for children who are grieving. Um, So that can be really helpful um, to kind of look into. And if you're currently employed, you know, if you have an employee assistance program, they usually know where all of the local grief resources are. Um, And when you're looking at therapist, if you are deciding you want to go that route, I think it's really, I highly, highly encourage people to 
look for someone who has training in grief. So just because their bio may say like, you know, counsel people who are grieving, um, an actual therapist who has um, really gone through training for, for grief therapy would be something that I highly recommend. Um, and it's not something that you necessarily need for a long time. It might just be sort of added into whatever your regular self-care or therapy may be. Um, but yeah, finding community, however you need to do it is, is definitely huge. Um, but I guess in terms of any other resources, um, for the most part, I mean, even just going on to, you know, um, going online and, and finding whatever is in your town, because there's so many things, uh, churches will have things, um, hospitals will have things. Uh, that's kind of my best recommendation. And in terms of like, even thinking of your former self, where maybe it was a little closer to when this just happened, like, you know, how likely will it be that, you know, you are going to want to go find those things? And then also, do you have anything to say for people who may be trying to help those people <laughs> go find resources, um, like family members and whatnot? Mm. Yeah, I would say early on, depending on, I mean, I'm someone who's always loved a good therapy session. So for me, it was natural to kind of look for a grief therapist. For many people, it is not. Um, it actually takes a long time to get them to even come to the idea of speaking to someone about their grief. So it's definitely not going to be easy for everyone. Um, you really can't push someone to go to therapy. Um, you can't push a grieving person or you sh we shouldn't push a grieving person to do anything. Um, I think that my biggest recommendation is to um, really try hard to, um, and this is anything, not just friends and family members who are grieving, but uh, learn how to hold space for people. So you don't need to give advice. You don't need to be a grief expert. You just need to hold space for that person to feel their feelings. Um, and as hard as it may be to hold back and, and not say, Hey, have you considered going to therapy? Um, you don't need to do that early on. Like the fact that they're speak, if they're, if someone is speaking at all about how they're feeling to you, that is part of the healing process. So I would actually say, try not to use that as the opportunity to say, Hey, go see a grief therapist. Um, maybe wait until they've come to you several times and then broach the topic. Um, you know, it's just, it's not for everybody. I know some people who, you know, are several years out from a significant loss and they've never had any kind of um, therapy or support group or really talked at all about their loss. And that's okay. I mean, it's, it's just, hopefully, you know, they know that they have people in their lives that, that are there when they're ready to talk. Um, you, you can always drop off a a book that might be helpful um, and maybe not even a book about grief, maybe just a book about self-care, anything, um, you know, or, Hey, would you be interested? Or when you're ready, would you be interested in meeting? Um, I have a friend who recently lost a spouse, you know, just kind of con trying to connect people with others uh, would be my recommendation. Yeah, I think that's helpful. I think, um, I think, 
the hardest thing to do when you're trying to support someone you love is to hold space and not try and fix them. Because <laughs> um, you want to fix them so badly because you're also, you know, feeling all the feelings because you're upset that they're upset um, and going through grief. So, uh, yeah, I think just learning how to hold space and being there and, you know, offering support and not necessarily solutions at first can be the most helpful. And then if it's, you know, more of a consistent um, you know, communication line and uh, relationship that you have, you know, maybe, maybe getting there in the future or just allowing the person to come there on their own. <laughs> um, yeah. And I was yeah. going to say too, I think, um, you know, being comfortable with rejection is huge because I think, you know, I, and being comfortable with being uncomfortable is important because as the friend or family member of the grieving person, um, you know, the, a lot of people, especially early on in grief want, they actually start to isolate themselves and, um, you know, it's a balance. And so keep reaching out, you know, don't just ask them, how are you maybe say, can I stop by with coffee or tea today? Like, um, and that's how you open up that opportunity to give them safe space. Um, asking them how they are is not, they most likely they're not going to open up to you. Um, and, you know, just really checking in on them because even if they seem like they're fully functioning, doing everything that they were doing before they lost their person, uh, it's pretty much a guarantee that inside they're not feeling as good as they look to everybody else. Um, so just continuing to check in um, and understanding that it's, there's a lot of anxiety that comes along with grief. And so that friend of yours may just not be comfortable reaching out to you, even if you were best friends the week prior. Um, so yeah, being comfortable with the fact that you might have to try multiple times over a long period of time to rebuild your relationship with someone after they've experienced a significant loss. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, Awesome. Well, I want to ask you the end of the podcast question. I appreciate all of the knowledge and just insight that you've shared. And I hope people go check out Beautiful Storm Healing. I will link to your Instagram and everything in the show notes. Um, you mentioned music. We've mentioned running. So you're finishing your your dream race. It went perfectly swimmingly, gave you all of the feelings that you were hoping to get um, from accomplishing We're going to say it's the Disney race in, in, in the fall that you're training for. So just, it went perfectly. What song would be playing as you cross the finish line to embody how you're feeling? Ooh. Um, so it's funny because it's, <laughs> I've thought about this cause I'm like, I know I'm going to have it like ready for me. Um, and it's actually going to be, um, so it's a, it's a Lizzie McGuire song. <laughs> Um, or song from Lizzie McGuire. Uh, I think it's called like, this is what dreams are made of, but yes. uh, hey it's, hey yes, hey now, yeah. hey now, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's actually been re-recorded and uh, sung by my sister, Kim. Uh, it was her first dance song uh, when she got married. So um, we were able to find it shortly after she passed away. And I always have that as my, last song that I listened to on any long run. Oh my God. I love that. I love that song. First of all, that's I, a really good dance song. Well, 
And they change it obviously because it's not like, you know, hey now, hey now. It's much yeah. more like it's slower. Yeah, slower. I, I love so that. I actually would say that the uh the Kim Hislop version um of Hey Now, Hey Now might be my favorite. So um <laughs> if anybody wants a copy of it, I'd be happy to send you. We 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 made CDs with her picture, cover, everything. Um so yeah, but that that would be that would be my song. And I will definitely be. I don't know if that, if I have any uh, fluid left in me, it will be coming out of my eyes and tears, but it, I might be dry as a bone. Who knows? Um, hopefully not. Um, but yeah, it'll be a really, it'll be a pretty awesome moment for me. So I'm, I'm ready for it. I love that. That's so meaningful. And I love this question because it always, I like, I just find everyone's answers to be super interesting um, and that in particular will be really, really meaningful. I know even if I'm on like a race course and I hear certain songs playing like in the background or like coming from other places that aren't in my own ears, I'm like, oh, this reminds me of like this person or like, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to know that that person's there with you. Um, yes. well, happy training, um, because it's going to be here really soon and I'm really excited for you. Uh, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I hope you guys got something from that episode. And if anything, just felt a little bit of extra support um, from us virtually. But if you do need extra support in this topic or you are looking to help someone else, I highly encourage you to go check out Ashley's pages. She may be able to direct you to additional resources, um, kind of like she talked about in the episode. Also, you can go check out BetterHelp to get started on therapy, even if you just want to get started talking to someone virtually before you're able to kind of find your group or your therapist or your counselor locally um, can be a really helpful resource because you can basically start therapy very quickly. I've used it myself. It is one of the fastest um, kind of turnaround points to signing up and getting started with therapy. So make sure you visit the link in the show notes to save 10% off if that's something you want to do. Um, and as always, feel free to reach out to me if you have any additional resources that you find helpful or need any additional support too. And I can helpfully, hopefully help point you in the right direction. But until next time, guys, happy running. 